The reason that Jesus Christ didn't have to fight back the sin against anybody is because he had committed this problem to God, his heavenly Father. Trusted that. He was totally dependent upon the Father taking care of him. And therefore he didn't have to sin. He never yielded to any sin. And he says that he is an example. Are people going to wrong you? Yes. Even you were going to wrong you. You will lie to yourself. You will deceive yourself. And people will also do the same thing. And you will do it to other people. But there's evil in this world. And you have a sinful nature. Now I want you to take your Bible and look there in 1 Peter and chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Look now in verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. You have a choice. You can live the rest of your life either to the lust of men or to the will of God. So which one? Choices that you have to make to have a difference, to make a difference. Now, chapter 3, chapter 3. Then he makes a statement here in verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust. Here you are, and you are the person that's trying to do what's right. You're the just. Someone is trying to do something to you that's unjust. Christ says the just suffers because of them and for them. So will you allow somebody else to wrong you without sinning back against them? That's the game. You see, God will not stop people from wronging you. He doesn't do that. God doesn't stop that. You are not to retaliate. Have you ever watched anybody, whether it's Raxlin or whatever, in life and football, it's the guy who sometimes retaliates he gets always caught and he gets kicked out of the game? Because he, well, he hit me first. And how many times have boys and girls, brothers and sisters got into a fight? He started it. It sometimes doesn't matter who started it. It's usually the second guy that retaliates and gets caught and gets in trouble. Just use the experiences of life. It's true. But God says you, and God's the one that's overseeing this one. He is the righteous judge. Christ committed all of this and the wrong that people... He committed that to God, to the one that judges righteously and can trust that. You and I have problem with that because we are not sure if God's really going to step in and take care of things, so we're willing to take it. You have no idea. When I was young and I, had, I was just 18, I trusted Christ as my Savior, how easy it was for me. I'd want to just deck them. I didn't care if I lost or not. It didn't matter. I would fight. Leon remembers the day that I got in a fight with a guy that was twice as big as me. That's when I got my nose broke. I don't know if you were there that night, but... He wasn't supposed to come into the meeting. But anyway, I was 17 and a half or something like that. And in other words, this guy was one big, mean dude. He just got out of the chain game from working on a rock pile, and he was one big, massive man. But we would fight. 
When I was in school, I, I, I fought just about all, all the time you was in a fight. I never started a fight, but I was always in them. Did you always win? No, I never won all the fights. I got beat up bad. <laughs> but we fought. Always fight him. But that's not the way God intended us to solve our problems. Now, he makes the statement here, the just for the unjust, and get the reason. Why did he do it? That he might bring us to God. He did it that he might bring us to God. Okay, now here you are. Somebody wrongs you. Did you know if you wrong them back, it's very hard to witness to them, isn't it? Isn't it very difficult to give them a heaven track and tell them how much God loves them after you just chewed them out and hit them or whatever it is, cussed them out? You can't do it. Or if you give your waitress a big bad time, it's hard to leave them a track. It's better to try to figure out a way how can I be used by God to bring this person to God? Am I willing to suffer the consequences? Even if they say something, they're trying to get me riled, make me mad, whatever you do. But remember, people don't make you mad. You choose to get mad. Mad, that's a choice. We just don't like it when we lose control of ourselves or someone gets the best of us. It's always, you did this. You made me mad. You chose to get mad. Just like there was a problem up there. I just heard it on the news last night. I guess it was really ugly and turned bad and... Uh, I guess uh, some neo-Nazis was up there, and then next thing you know, some gang came out of... You know, it doesn't matter what the, the first one... It's, you can't retaliate this way again. Now, what if everybody had applied the Christian method, the Lord's way? Well, one of two things. One, there wouldn't have been no skinheads doing what they were doing. And then the others wouldn't the gang, they wouldn't have been doing what they were doing. But people, because they do not control the flesh, next thing you know, anger controls, and it doesn't matter. They can throw stones at the police, try to d destroy an uh, emergency vehicle, and all the things that they do, and then rob, and then, you know, break into buildings, and all that. What's that got to do with him? What's all that for? And yet they do it all over the world. It don't matter who you are, where you are. People respond pretty much because you've got an old sinful nature. People are pretty much the same way. And it's a shame, it's because they have no control. And they don't believe what this book is teaching. They don't believe that there's a righteous judge that one day will take care of everything. Now, does that mean that nobody should ever protect themselves? No, I'm not a pacifist. I believe very strongly in protecting myself. And I'll preach on that at another time, maybe like Memorial Day or the 4th of July. <laughs> and you need to get both sides of the coin. Now... Because he made this statement, I am the just suffering for the unjust that I might bring them to God. Now, look there in chapter 3, verse 1. Now he's talking about likewise ye wives. See that? Look in verse 7. Likewise ye husbands. And then chapter 5, in verse 5, it says... Likewise, you're younger. The first time he started off with Christ. Likewise, Christ, when he suffered. So we have something that's really good for us as an example of why we should choose to suffer 
rather than to sin. If your husband do you wrong, should you do him wrong back? The wife do you wrong, should you do that person wrong back? Choose to sin or you choose to suffer. It's a choice. But if you'll suffer the damage, the hurt, and commit it to God, and don't sin back. That's why the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. Because there's many times you can get angry because of what somebody does that's so wrong. But make sure you don't use that as justification to sin against the person. You see, regardless of what, say, the, the neo-Nazi was doing up there, is not justification for somebody else to do wrong. Wrong is still wrong. And too wrong, they say, don't make a, don't make a right. Then it doesn't. Likewise, he says, you wives, now get this, the, the point here. He says, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. And the reason is because in the marriage situation, whether we like it or we don't like it, let me just state the facts. There's a war almost all the time going on between the battle of minds. It would be great if everybody was just, just super-duper Christians and totally submission and all that, but it doesn't work that way because we have two individuals that comes together and moms and dads are not perfect. Never use mom and dad and their faults as justification for your own. But a husband and a wife, there's, there's complications at times, disagreements at times, and the Bible tells us there's something here that the wife can do to reach the husband if she's willing to suffer. Down in verse 7, it talks about the husband. And there's things that he must be willing to suffer. Because marriage causes a lot of suffering. They say when you get married, there's three rings. The engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering so there's, there's things that are going to happen in marriages as time goes on. The honeymoon does not last forever. But because of the testimony that is so important for a, a married family, a Christian home to have, it's important that each one understands how to deal with the conflict. How do you solve the problem? You can either choose to suffer or you can choose to sin. We can't go back into all the past. You can't correct everything that's ever been done. Sometimes you have to, look, let's just forgive everything, let's just start over fresh and go from here, whatever. But every person somewhere along the line in most homes, sooner or later, will have the difficulty and must make decisions. Even sometimes in the most sweetest, godliest of homes, things are not always as they appear to be. Because many times, nobody wants anybody else to know if they're having a problem. Generally, a, a woman will seek counseling where the man will deny that he even needs it or that he even has a problem. That's just the nature of the beast because that's the way men are. The wife wants to know directions, and the man, I'll find it sooner or later, because he don't like to give up and to give in and admit that he don't know where he is. I'm not lost, the world is. I know where I am at. Nobody else knows where they are. But notice what he says in verse 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husband, 
that if any obey not the word, you have a husband that doesn't obey the word. And I have lived long enough and had churches long enough and seen people enough that know that many times it is the woman that's trying to get the family to do right, that tries to get the kids and tries to get her husband. And many times I've seen where the, the wife sometimes will come and the husband never does, never takes the stand that he should. And it's hard and it's difficult upon them trying to do what's right and they're fighting like a losing battle and they, they can't make them. So what can they do? And so they suffer sometimes consequences. But he says here in verse 1 that without the word, that means without the woman preaching to him, without the man sitting underneath maybe the church preacher, without having a pastor, what can happen? How can you win somebody without the word? And the Bible's talking about by the behavior of the wife. Get what he says. He says, without the word, be won by the behavior of the wife. While they behold your chaste behavior, that word conversation, behavior, coupled with fear. Because you are so journeying your life here in fear, you're choosing rather to suffer for the Lord than to sin. And if the husband is not all that he should be, many times the wife suffers the consequences of it. And if she has to suffer the consequences of it, God says for her to maintain a tremendous testimony for the Lord. And in doing so, she might by that convince their husband. And whenever you read the scripture that says that if any man asks you a reason of the hope that lies within you, that you may be able to give an answer. See there in verse 15? But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. In other words, if the husband wants to know why you take a stand the way you do or live the way you do or respond the way you do, you have a reason to give an answer in meekness, not in condemnation, not in trying to destroy, not trying to pull them down, but as a good wife with the right behavior might be able to convince and have an answer because she fears God. And God says this takes a lot of grace. To submit to anyone takes a lot of love and a lot of grace, a lot of forgiveness. But you can choose to either suffer or sin. And many times we don't want to suffer the consequences. But God tells us, look, look on down the road. There is a, a God that's a righteous judge. And like as Christ committed that to him. Commit your life to the Lord. We often hear that phrase, commit your life to Christ. Well, really, should a Christian commit their life to Christ? Yes. Should a husband, should a wife, should teenagers, should you commit your life to the Lord? Yes. That means committing your life to the Lord, you're able to live and let God deal with many of the situations that otherwise you would deal with. And you ain't going to handle it right. 
Many times we as people miss great opportunities because we quit right before victory. We face defeat because we can't believe that it will it'll turn out right. It'll never be the best. And so we jump the gun. It's kind of like when the Lord told Sarah, Sarah, the one that was married to Abraham, you're going to have a baby. And she laughed because of that. And yet there's something about her that God says every woman should learn. Now, when this was written almost 2,000 years ago, remember, he's referring to something that was over 1,500 years before that. And I guess those were the good old days. Well, when are the good old days? Look what he says here in verse 3. He says, Whose adorning let it not be that outward appearance, outward adorning of plaiting the hair, wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel. That is not what makes a happy home. That's not what dignifies a person of character. A character is the inward man, the inner spirit of the individual. The new man, the new trusted Christ as Savior. Are you an individual of a meek and a quiet spirit? Get what he says. But in verse 4, let it be the hidden man of the heart. What kind of a man? Down in verse 5, it mentions being in subjection, being in subjection. That is because of the strength of the inner man. So every woman has the Holy Spirit living within her. And because you are now looked upon as a, the new man, that's the new birth. Be strengthened in your new birth so that you will be able to properly submit as you should. I believe that it is a, a shame that today that there's not more godly homes as there are. Isn't there any good godly Christian ladies of character that a man can choose from? And yet, believe it or not, the majority of guys that will get married will not choose a godly individual. They play the fool. And they will marry anybody. And the reason is because they will date anybody. If you will date anybody, you'll marry anybody. And because they have no high standards, anything goes. And they ruin what could have been a wonderful thing down the road because one of the greatest things that you'll ever experience in this life is to have someone that you love to go through life with you that knows all the ups and downs, what you've gone through, the heartaches, the miseries, and you name it, the fights and what, but you grind it out, and lo and behold, years will pass. One day you're going to get old. One day you're going to leave this world. Is God capable of guiding you and strengthening you, giving you the grace that you need? Can you suffer consequences, though it may be hard and difficult? I don't get into how much you can bear. That's between you and the Lord. You can't go back and correct things that already has been done. But I'm talking about from where you are and as you go forward. I believe that it's the will of God that whoever you have right now, 
That's the will of God. At this point, that is the will of God. For you to be a godly husband and the woman to be a godly wife. And for all the young people in here that are not married to have some common sense. Out of all the women in the world, can you find yourself a good, godly Christian woman that will do right, love the Lord? Because why play the fool? I do believe that just like God made Adam and he brought a woman along. But this woman was made because Adam had some ribs. And evidently he had maybe one too many. And God took one of those ribs and made him a woman. And you all know the story. Well, remember this, fellows, as you're looking around. I believe there's another rib out there that belongs to you. If you're looking for one. I believe you need to be very careful and trust the Lord to guide you to find the right rib that fits you. Do you believe that God can design the right woman for you? Yes. And can God bring you together? Yes. I believe that. But why will so many be so foolish to jump the gun not to do right? And yet at the same time, there's such a wonderful thing to what God has done for us. But he says there's going to be times in your life that you're going to struggle, you're going to suffer, and if you don't choose to suffer, you're going to choose to sin. And the sin is going to cost you. So the Lord tells us that we need to put him first in all these things. I have much of this that I want to continue, but we're not going to be able to do it all at this time. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. Y'all remember this? You haven't forgot it, have you? God, look up here now. God loves us, hates our sin. For you and I to pay for that sin is eternal separation from the Lord, a place called hell. But he loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. No one's perfect. No one is righteous as God. The Bible teaches us that sin is not permitted into heaven. You have to be perfect. None of us are. To pay for sin, death, and hell. And we have no way of getting rid of our sin except by death. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's God in the flesh. He came into this world because he loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, said if we'll believe he did it for us, he would put that payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. That's a gift. That's free. God loves us that much that he would give us as a gift eternal life. After you trusted Christ as Savior, you're God's child, you have this life to live. And whether it's today, tomorrow, you understand the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold and silver, though it be tried with fire, that one day it will be worth more than all of the gold and the silver in the world. And you will be found receiving the praise, the honor, and the glory. Get the sequence. You suffer now, glory later.
If you choose not to suffer now, you'll choose to sin now. And if you sin now, it's not rewards later, glory, praise. No, you don't get none of that. But chastening. It's a choice. And I pray that you'll be wise. And that this will maybe help you just a little bit. And also, this is not just a one-way thing about the wives suffer. Sometimes the men suffer consequences also because they sometimes marry a woman that is one wild, wicked woman. And the Bible says that the great man Solomon, though Solomon lived in a big, beautiful palace, evidently one day there must have been a rainstorm and he had a leaky roof. And as he sat there and he listened to that water drip, drip, drip. On the other side of the palace there he had who knows how many of his wives were in there arguing and back and forth and arguing with him and always just going on and on and on. And he says that the dripping of the water and the continual talking of the women is pretty much the same thing. Proverbs. He says, one day, no doubt, he went up on the housetop. And while he was up on the housetop, he looked over there and he saw a man. He was curled up on his roof and he had a blanket wrapped around him. And he thought, that man has been kicked out of his home and he's having to live on the housetop. He says, a man would be better off living on the housetop with nothing than in a house with a wild, wicked woman. Proverbs. Uh, Solomon had how many wives? 700 wives and 300 concubines. He had trouble, didn't he? And we have trouble with just one. He had a thousand of them. <laughs> he must have been a man's man. I don't know. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, we are thankful for your blessings to us. I pray, Lord, your will to be done in the lives of each person that's here. And Father, as we think about the things that you've done for us, the sacrifice you made, the just for the unjust to bring us to God, that sometimes the suffering that we go through is the opportunities to bring that person to you. And when we get mad and irritable and bitter and mean and hateful, it makes it very difficult for us to witness or to bring that person to you. Help us, Lord, to be willing to suffer the consequences because who wants to win an argument and lose a soul? Help us to be wise. We ask, Father, your blessings upon our church. We thank you for those that are here today. Use us for your honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.